You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all, it's Bridget here. I had the honor and pleasure of chatting with Jenny Fannin Steele. Jenny Fannin Steele is a featured milliner of the Kentucky Derby and the second milliner to be featured by Churchill Downs in 148 years. When she's not busy making derby hats, she's creating hat collections for Vineyard Vines, Jay Peterman, Keeneland, and some really fun bourbon brands. She's also the hat designer for McCall's Patterns and the author of the book, The Making of a Milliner. So go grab yourself a mint julep, sit back, and enjoy this very special episode. Welcome to Served Up. I'm so excited to have you on our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Wonderful. Can you tell our listeners where you're tuning in from today? I'm in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. Amazing. (laughs) And, you know, for our listeners and, and for my purpose as well, you know, can you talk a bit about your craft as a hat maker? And really what brought you into, um, you know, what you do? That's a loaded question. So let's see, where do I begin? (laughs) Uh, So I've been sewing since I was five years old. Uh, I grew up with my mom and my aunt, grandma, all sewing clothes and the dolls I played with. And so I started cross-stitching when I was little. And that naturally led me to go to fashion design school, which I went to the Art Institute of Colorado in Denver and wanted to pursue costumes. And honestly, I was, I thought I'd live in Colorado and make costumes for the ballet. But when I lived in Colorado, if you weren't making Western wear or ski wear, (laughs) there weren't a lot of other options. So I chose to move to Chicago and pursue costume design. And I made costumes for Cirque du Soleil. Um, I did a Grammy dress for Margaret Cho, um, different commercials and movies and Joffrey Ballet, Goodman Theater, um, and loved it. Uh, And I ended up going to a presentation of a milliner in downtown Chicago that was from New York. Um, I don't believe she's in in business any longer, but she was talking about the traditional techniques of hat making and how they date back over 200 years and molding material over old wooden forms. And I'm an old soul to begin with. So I am attracted to how things were done back in the day. And, and I just loved her story and just learning about how hats were made because I had no idea how hats were traditionally made. Uh, so I wanted to learn more about it and So I started looking into seeing I could take some courses and there really wasn't a lot offered in the United States. So I ended up doing an apprenticeship in Australia and learning their traditional techniques of hat making. And 
which is blocking material for old wooden hat forms of all different shapes and styles and sizes. And since I knew how to hand sew, it just came natural. And I thought, this is what I meant to do. <laughs> Light bulb went off. So I started dabbling in hat making uh, in my basement in Chicago and started selling my hats at different art shows. And that's kind of how I got my name out there and people wearing my stuff. And one of the shows that I did, the woman next to me was from Louisville, Kentucky. And she asked me, she said, have you ever thought of making derby hats? And I'll be honest, you know, just because I'm not from Kentucky, you know, I, I grew up in the military. My father was in the air force, but I never lived in the South. So I, I had heard of the derby, but I didn't really know what it was. And then I realized, oh, wow, people really wear hats to the derby. <laughs> so the following year, I went to Kentucky and uh, started making custom hats. And um, I, was, I went there for six years, believe it or not, um, with hats out of my trunk, selling to different stores and setting up a hotel for three months at a time and bring my hat blocks and sewing machines and doing different trunk shows. And during that time, I, I fell in love with Kentucky, the people. Um, I was really amazed at how supportive the town was for small businesses. Being in Chicago, it was obviously very different um, considering my showroom was in my home, <laughs> in my dining room. So it took a couple of years to talk my husband into leaving the Cubs and the Blackhawks. <laughs> but uh, we wanted to start a family ultimately and, and move out of the city. And so uh, I think it's been eight years, nine years since we moved here to Kentucky. And I opened up a little art studio and now I've grown into a really amazing hat shop, that, which is where I am right now. <laughs> and I've, I've had the honor and the pleasure of visiting your hat shops, but I want to, you know, just take it back a little bit. Can you tell our listeners, you know, really what a milliner is and what does yeah. it take to have that title? So a milliner is someone who makes hats from scratch. Um, so you're not a hat decorator in a sense where you're buying a hat base already made and then decorating it. Um, and there's a lot of people who do that and there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes people just prefer the decorating process and not the actual forming of the hat. Uh, but uh, an actual milliner is someone who takes the raw materials of straw or felt, whatever it may be, and actually wetting and steaming and forming it over um, molds of different shapes and sizes. And, and it takes, you know, it could take three or four days just to block a hat and finish it, you know, if not longer, depending on what you're doing. And what does blocking mean? It's, it's where, so the forms that I use to make hats, they, they come in particular shapes, shapes of Basically, the hats that you see out there, those are all formed over a mold of some sort of that shape. And mine just happened to be made out of wood. Um, that's how they started out. Sometimes they're um, now made out of metal, especially if they're mass produced and stamped out. Um, but they're, most are still made out of wood. And uh, you form the raw material, which comes a lot like fabric. It's in yardage a lot of times, or it's hand woven into like a cone shape. And then you wet and steam it and 
use a little bit of elbow grease and get all the pleats and wrinkles out and mold over the form. And then it dries and then you put it together. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So those of us that are not milliners, it makes perfect sense. Okay. (laughs) And and I know that you're very, very humble and we'll get into the Kentucky Derby and, and all the fun things that you've done with different bourbon brands and all the great things. But, you know, um, tell me what it was like, you know, to really to open up that first shop. And then I want to hear more about your place as well. That's in the town that you live in, in LaGrange as well. Yeah. Let's talk about that journey where, and don't forget to mention like what it's called, the address and all that good stuff. Oh, yes, sure. Absolutely. Well, when we first moved to Kentucky, because I had never had a store or studio outside the home. It certainly was very nerve wracking, (laughs) Um, but I knew that this was the step that I needed to take to take my business to the next level. This was really what I was going to do, Um, which was kind of the whole goal of moving to Kentucky was to expand the hat business and take it to a level that I couldn't accomplish in Chicago. So I remember, um, I think my first place was 300 square feet, I believe it was. And it was in this place called the Melwood Art Center, which was filled with other artist studios and retail and restaurants and antique mall. And so it was a really nice community environment. Um, I didn't feel so isolated. Um, And, but I remember thinking, how am I going to pay rent on a 300 square foot place? And Bart, you know, my husband was like, well, just sell one hat a month and you'll be fine. (laughs) So, you know, I, I quickly grew out of that space and then I moved in to 650 square foot place in the same complex. And again, you know, very worried about paying rent, but, you know, I just had to put trust in what I did. And just the fact that I picked up a move from Chicago to begin with, <laughs> to open up my business, it, you know, I just, I knew that there was no looking back and that I just had to, to just look forward regardless of what obstacles came before me. And this allowed me also to, you know, grow my clientele. People started to know that I had a shop and would come see me year round. Cause I don't just make hats for Derby, but for all seasons and occasions, but I was at Melwood for five years and I was growing out of my space and I, you know, Melwood didn't have any further places for me to move. And so where I am now, the gentleman who who they call Butcher Block King, because that's kind of in the area that we're in. He's taken all these old dilapidated homes and created and turned them into commercial spaces. So I'm in my own little cottage. Um, and I think I'm now in like 1500 square feet or so, but it's great because it's like an old little cottage, little home shotgun place. And Um, you know, all the neighbors around me are in a similar situation and I just love it because it's my own little hat shop and I'll give my address. It's, um, I'm in the Nulu butcher town area, which is near the downtown area of Louisville. Um, so it's one zero zero nine East main street in Louisville. I'm open regular hours, not just on the web. Uh, so Tuesday through Saturdays, um, you don't have to have an appointment to come in. Um, But for me, I wanted to be more than just a retail shop, just a typical retail shop. I really wanted my clients to have an experience when they came in. So even from the outside of my store, I have this 
custom archway that has these uh, top hat planters on them with, of course, the Forme Millinery Hat Shop sign. You know, when you walk into the door, there's French music playing um, because Forme is French um, for formed, um, Forme Millinery. And uh, so, yeah, so you're, you're greeted by French music. You see finished hats that are on the walls. You also are amongst all the molds that I use to create hats. And then in the further back into the shop is my personal workspace where you see raw materials. And with regards to that experience that I want to create for my customers is you know, especially if you're coming in to get a custom piece, you know, sometimes people have never worn a hat. So it's a matter of trying on different styles and seeing what works with your physique, face shape, hair length, height, all that. And, you know, and even just wearing the hat properly makes a big difference. Uh, But, you know, once we pick out a face shape, then we look at the raw materials. Um, If you're coordinating it with an outfit, sometimes people bring their outfits in and then, you know, and then we look at all the embellishments that I use and, you know, really put a custom hat together made just for that person. So it's really an, a great fun process. Yeah. It is a magical place. It really is. You just feel your energy in there. And then I know that you also offer um, classes, right? Hat making yes. classes as well. Yes, that's right. I love keeping this craft alive and if I can teach others how to make a hat from scratch, um, you know, cause for me, the more people that wear hats, the better, <laughs> whether I'm putting the hat on their head or not. Um, I look at it as, you know, hats as a, an accessory, just like a piece of jewelry would be or a handbag. So it's really the cherry on top to an outfit in my opinion. So yeah, I teach hat making workshops, a few different types. Um, I do teach, uh, hats, hat classes where you learn from scratch. So they're like two or three day classes. You mold over the wooden forms, just like I would. Um, I provide all the millinery materials. Um, But then I also do hat speed hat making workshops. So I typically do those during like derby time where my time is limited, or maybe someone else doesn't have a whole lot of time. Maybe they're visiting the city and don't have two or three days to dedicate to hat making. So in speed workshops, I focus more on the embellishments. So I'll do different feather techniques, feather flower techniques, sculpting horse hair, and then we finish a hat or fascinator in like a three-hour course. So yeah. That's super cool. Can you tell us about your second location in LaGrange as well? And then we'll get into the, the meat of it all, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, absolutely. So about 25 miles from Louisville is a town called LaGrange, Kentucky. Um, You'll find lots of horse farms out there, um, distilleries, um, just really beautiful country. Um, So that's where my family lives. And they have a little main street and super cute. And uh, never did we think we would have another location out there, but um, a woman named Judith had approached us because she wanted to retire from her business and her business is called Judith M Millinery Supply House. Um, It's one of three millinery supply houses left in the United States. And when I say millinery supply house, 
that's where someone like myself would buy the raw millinery materials to, to make my hats from scratch. The supply house also provides millinery materials to like Disney, um, movie production houses, uh, universities that have a millinery course um, where we send out millinery materials to those places for their costume and millinery departments and then make hats for their projects. Um, so Judith had approached us about actually continuing her legacy because she wanted to retire after 30 years. And we were in the middle of a pandemic. My husband and I thought we were crazy, but we we couldn't see what she created die. And considering it was one of three left in the United States, we, I think it was like a year and a half it took because of COVID. We had started right before COVID started. And then with COVID, it just delayed everything with loans and just everything. So, um, but after about a year and a half, we were able to purchase the bill, purchase the business. And because she had created such a clientele, we kept the name, the website, everything. Um, and then uh, opened a retail store in LaGrange, Kentucky. And what's funny is that she was from LaGrange, Indiana. And if you're not familiar with LaGrange, Indiana, it's near Shipshawana, which is Amish country. And when you go there, you really truly see people in horse and buggy there <laughs> everywhere. Um, so she didn't have a retail store. She was strictly online. Um, so we've also figured that was a sign LaGrange, Indiana to LaGrange, Kentucky. Um, so we moved everything to our retail store and with Derby, of course, we thought there was a need for retail. Um, but in addition to millinery supplies, we of course sell to our little town and anybody stopping by, you know, just everyday type hats for people to come in and get a sun hat or winter hat or whatever they may, they may need. One of the unique things that I found when I was, you know, visiting LaGrange and visiting you and your your family was the train that goes through the center of your town and the main street. It is the craziest, almost like it jarred me. I was in your little yes. I was in your hat shop and it actually made me jump. Can you just talk about how very <laughs> special that is and how you Yes. Yes. Yeah, so for any train enthusiasts, if you don't already know, um, LaGrange, Kentucky is one of two towns in the United States where our train actually goes on Main Street over a lane, a car lane. So um, if you're driving in that lane, you will get hit by, <laughs> by the train. It's, it's, it's that way on Main Street. And you can actually watch our train track on um, on a tr on train websites and actually see our train go through Main Street because it's such a big deal apparently. But yes, we've had people who where the train has come and they're on that side of the road and they don't know what to do and they get hit. My car was actually involved in a in an accident because someone didn't get out of the way, didn't know what to do, and I can totally understand that. You don't realize, oh, a train can't pass me. It should, but it can't. And then my car just happened to be parked and ugh, scrape, scrape, scrape. And then the train had to stop and it was an yeah. ordeal. But, it is yeah. so fun. I highly recommend just, like <laughs> listeners, if you are visiting Kentucky to check out LaGrange, it is a sweet little town. And just seeing the train zip down the middle of Main Street is a wild experience. Now I want to, you know, fast forward ahead a bit to the Kentucky Derby because 
you know, if you watch any of the coverage, you know, before Derby Day or on Derby Day, you will see Jenny Fannin-Steele on your TV. She is incredibly humble, you know, (laughs) just incredibly humble about everything that you've done in your career. And you truly are um, the milliner for the Kentucky Derby. I know that your hats are featured in the Kentucky Derby Museum. And I would like to, you know, really dive into how did that happen? Well, uh, lots of networking and just bringing my little sales girl out and trying to create these relationships that, you know, where I felt I could bring value to their organization. And just a lot of times it's just years of conversation. And, you know, I Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby, this will be their 449th year of the Kentucky Derby. And so uh, I approached them because I thought I could bring value to Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby in the sense that hats are a tradition going to the Derby. and. With me being local, you know, I thought that I could not just be a featured milliner for the Kentucky Derby, uh, but I could also provide experiences for the clients that come to the Derby and, you know, do hat shop tours, you know, talk about the process of hat making and really provide a unique experience for those coming to town um, to get that special hat to to attend the races. Because for a lot of people, it's on their bucket list. So They've never been to Kentucky. They've never been to the Derby. So, you know, I think by having this wonderful partnership with Churchill Downs, um, I'm able to provide a a unique experience for all the goers going to the Derby. You absolutely do. Can you talk about the tradition of the hats at the Kentucky Derby? Because it, folks, if you've never been to the Kentucky Derby, it is a real thing. Um, You want to show up there with your best hat, and usually a lot of the hats are hats are so over the top as well. Yes. So hats were always a staple from day one. Um, but through the years, they've certainly expanded into different styles. And you'll see a little bit of everything at the Derby. Um, and people really do wear hats. Every person, if you are not wearing a hat, you will stand out. And, and I know people who come from out of town there, sometimes they think, oh, I'm just going to grab a casual hat and wear that. Or they'll think, oh, I'm just not going to wear a hat. And then they get here and they realize how big of a deal your whole outfit is, let alone your hat. And then they go, oh, well, I guess I need to change that. <laughs> um, I mean, it's almost like planning a wedding for a lot of attendees. You're getting your your outfit, your handbag, your jewelry, your shoes, and then of course, coordinating the hat with, with your outfit. You will certainly see a little bit of everything. Um, you know, if you compare it to like the Royal Ascot in London, there's a very, very strict dress code. You, your hat has to be a certain size and so forth. Well, with the Derby, anything goes. (laughs) So you will certainly see, you know, big plastic horses on hats and, you know, big fluffy feathers. And, you know, it's just, you, it's, it's actually, it's, it's actually really fun to go. I mean, a lot of people think they go and see the horses at the track. Um, but I think most of the time people go just to see the hats because it is your statement piece. And, you know, it's, you will more than likely be photographed and 
So, but, you know, for those, you know, putting aside for those that have fun with it and kind of do something a little over the top, uh, for the most part, people take going to the Derby very seriously and their outfit um, as they should. Um, And that's when they come to someone like myself that can truly make a custom one of a kind piece um, that they won't see themselves, you know, walking, you know, in the booth next to them. So it's, it's really a really fun experience. And a lot of people go all out because it's something they do a lot of times just once. Can you talk about your experience? Like what does a day look like for you at the Kentucky Derby? Usually I'm sleeping. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, but, you know, my Derby honestly starts when Derby ends because I do collaborations with several companies um, and their Derby collections. You know, I'm creating thousands of hats or fascinators for these collaborations that those samples that I'm getting out to them are starting a month or so right after Derby. Um, as far as custom work, I mean, I, am getting custom work right now for Derby, um, in, in December and Derby is always the first Saturday in May. Uh, so I'm extremely busy, um, leading up to Derby and especially, um, April, you know, because here we're not just in Kentucky and especially Louisville, we're not just busy on Derby day. Our town really celebrates Derby and I would say it's at least a month of just derby, frenzy, parties, parades, um, galas, you name it. Our whole town just goes crazy um, preparing for derby. So, um, yes. So leading up to derby, I'm doing photo shoots. I'm doing interviews on TV, um, being featured in magazines. Um because I'm featured Miller of the Kentucky Derby, you know, I'm working with their media people, sometimes the Today Show. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always, I mean, all the local newscast, of course. And, and then on Derby Day, yes, it starts at like 3 a.m., I think, <laughs> 3 or 4 a.m. at the track. You're on the backside. You're with the horses uh, warming up. And you're just talking about the day and how fun it's going to be and all that good stuff. But it's all of this leads up to that day, which is just really, really exciting. It really is. Like if you tune in on that day, you're definitely going to see Jenny on the screen (laughs) at some point. I know I have. I think it's so cool. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I celebrate you and what you do. It's just incredible. (laughs) Um, would you be open to talk about some of the ways that the bourbon community in Kentucky have really embraced, um, yourself and, um, you know, and you, you as a milliner? Yes, absolutely. So one of my favorite bourbons is Woodford Reserve and, uh, they usually are the bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. And they are based out of Versailles, which is um, about an hour or so from Louisville. And obviously being a big fan, I thought, you know, how can I, because I'm always being, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not just a hat maker, but I'm also always looking at where can I take my brand? How can I expand it? What partnerships can I grow or create? So I thought, you know, how wonderful would it be to work with 
a bourbon company like Woodford Reserve and create an exclusive hat collection for them um, and utilize their bourbon in some way. So last year was my first partnership with them and we're going to continue it again this year, but I created two hat styles. One was a fedora and one was, was, was a brimmed hat. And we took their bourbon barrel heads and laser cut wooden bow ties for the fedoras and wooden roses for the brim cats. And we did this fun little style with little bourbon barrels on it and my logo and Woodford's logo. And I, we put that on all the hats and it was an exclusive limited edition collection. Um, you also received a co-branded Woodford reserve bourbon bottle, which was really cool for me because to see my name on what a Woodford bottle, but you know, and, and then our little Woodford um, bourbon barrel hang tag pulled our story and our little partnership together. So it was, it was such an honor to partner with um, a brand like them and um, it, it did really well. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that partnership and look forward to the future with them. Yeah. I think that that's such an incredible story, you know, going from your, your home in Chicago and then right. all the way, you know, to partnering with the Kentucky Derby. Can you talk about some of maybe the celebrities that you've styled or some of the hats that you've done and some sure. of the really amazing magazines that you've been part of and the fashion shows as well? Sure. So I uh, have made hats for uh, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Um, it was actually um, specific to when Kate Middleton got married. The Oprah show still existed in Chicago where she would have a live audience. So I actually made hats for her staff and for her. Um, and when Kate was getting married, they simulcast to um, a person in, in England and the staff served tea and crumpets to the audience and they were all wearing my hats and she was wearing my hat. And so that was quite fun. Um, I've made hats for Michelle Obama, for Karen Pence, uh, for uh, Madonna. Um, Barbara Corcoran, she's from Shark Tank. I've done several for her for the Derby. She's a lot of fun. Um, Neil Diamond. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and as far as magazines, um, we were just, well, about almost a year ago, we were featured on Judith M was featured on HGTV, um, um, hometown kickstart, um, on HETV and they did a little blurb about LaGrange, uh, about it being a small town and all the great things that happened there. And so Allison Victoria, she does Windy City Rehab in Chicago. Uh, she was our host uh, in LaGrange. And so I made her a custom hat. So you'll see me and my husband uh, on that show. Um, I was recently featured in Where Women Create which is one of my favorite publications uh, by Joe Packham. She does where women create, what women create and what women cook. And it's just a really great collaboration of all these amazing artists from all over the world. And I was very fortunate to have a 16 page spread in it that just came out. That's so, incredible. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. Bravo. That is amazing. <laughs> yes. Even my daughter's in a couple pages. So it was really, it's really cool. But it talks about the process, talks about my story. 
and, um, you know, that they had asked if I had any shop pets, which I don't, but I guess you can call my daughter, my, my shop, <laughs> but she'll, she'll be the next milliner to, to talk about. I'm sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's absolutely. Well, what is next for you, Jenny? Like, what are you thinking about for the future? I, I do have some things in the works. Cause of course I'm always thinking of what's next and what can I do? You know, just, we're obviously one big happy hat family. Um, and you know, I'd love to even consider opening a hat museum. There are no hat museums in the United States. And so I'd love to, um, do something like that here in Kentucky. It's going to take some time, of course, uh, but I'd like to do it right and really create an amazing experience for people to be able to come and learn about hats and how it relates to Kentucky. Um, but also just seeing all the old machines and processes of how millinery um, exists and still does today. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because you're really bringing back that, that craft, right? You're really putting it in the spotlight in such an interesting, unique, beautiful way and still always staying true to yourself, you know, and your style. And, and just bringing your personality into each and every um, project that you do. And that in itself is such a, a beautiful talent that you have. Thank you. It's just an amazing thing. So, you know, I, on behalf of Served Up, I just, Jenny, I want to wish you all of my best mm-hmm. and just some, some great health and a whole lot of peace. Thank oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Sometimes I forget what I've done and where I started, not that I forget, but sometimes when I talk about my accomplishments or my accolades, I I have to pinch myself because I, I'm like, who's that fabulous lady, (laughs) you know, just because I know where I started and just in my basement in Chicago and just, you know, just doing it kind of for fun. And to think that this is where I am now, it's, I'm so just grateful that I can I do what I do um, and can make a living at it. And, you know, I, I never dread coming to my hat shop. You know, it's just I'm just so grateful that um, I get to do what I love and yeah. help people put a smile on their face. Yeah, and you sure do. My gosh, and you absolutely do. Well, cheers to you, Jenny. Thank you oh, so much for being on our show. You. Oh, my pleasure. Very grateful. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!